one thing I've learned after all these years, you're gonna save yourself a whole lot of tears. Don't try to figure out who was wrong and who was right. Got them moving along, baby. You gotta roll with the punches. Hi, everybody. Your old friend Mike Houlihan. Welcome back to Hibernian Radio. This is show number 124. We are out on the patio for the first time here at uh, Cork and Kerry. What a lovely night. Uh, you're listening to Hibernian Radio. We're brought to you by Local 150, Sheehy Funeral Home, Cork and Kerry Irish Pub, Fox's Pizza, Flood Brothers, Guinness, and soon, very soon, Chicago Firefighters Union Local 2, and we'll be talking to Pat Kwan later about that. But uh, we got a great show tonight. We have a 25-year veteran of the Calumet City Fire Department, Michael Flanagan, Captain Michael Flanagan. Thank you. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great Thank you for all have. you've done. Yeah. Um, so did you grow up on the southeast side? or I did, on the southwest uh, side, actually. Whereabouts? Uh, when we came back from Ireland, we were in uh, Lockport. Homer, Homer Township at the time, Homer Glen now. Wait, uh, do I detect a brogue here? Yeah, so spent a lot. Spent a lot of time. Spent a lot of time in my childhood in Waterford, Ireland. Oh, we were there last year or two years ago. Oh, Water- great! Yeah, yeah, what part? Waterford. I, w- I went to mass at the cathedral or whatever. The Our Lady of the Waterford or whatever. <laughs> uh, I didn't go to the glass factory. <laughs> I didn't go to the glass factory, but we took about uh, forty people with us and right. had a blast. Do you know Liam Durkin, the young Irish singer? He went with us, and his all his fans and family went with us. And oh, great! Yeah, we were just outside of Waterford City, down in Woodstown. Now, when did you come over here? So I came over here the last bit of high school. Oh, no kid, Marist High School. Yeah. Are your folks still alive? Uh, my mother just passed in uh, November. Oh, God rest her soul. So uh, my father's still alive. Oh, really? He's still What's out. In, uh, what now is Homer Glen? Oh, no kidding. Yeah. What's so his name? Mike Flanagan. The Mike same. Flanagan. Okay. Oh, that's terrific. You might be the first guy on the show that we've had from the old country, and that's great. Um, well, you know what the show is all about. We're here to honor our Irish first responders because we feel they are the mythological equivalent, or the modern-day equivalent of our mythological uh, Irish warriors, and you're one of them, uh, Michael Flanagan. So you you so you, you came here. You're a greenhorn, and you're at what Marist High School. Marist High School, yeah. Yeah. And was it tough for a young Mick uh, walking into that atmosphere? <laughs> Not hard. No, no. I mean, it, of course, no. everybody's Irish. That's why. I mean, yeah. high school is a tough time for everybody. Sure, it is. It's a yeah. t- it's a tough transition time from childhood to adulthood. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do a lot with juvenile fire setters because I understand the uh, yeah. the tough time that it is in a transition yeah. for any young man or young woman. Uh, coming through that. It was a little helpful in Maris. We were all boys at that time. Yes. They've, they've since transitioned into co-ed. I'll bet those Macaulay girls like that brogue, though, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Mount Sissy was more. What? Mount Sissy more. Oh, Mount Sissy. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's that? That's a little bar. Mount Sissy was out in the month. They, they've okay. closed since. Okay. Um, 
This is great. So you grew up, and so what made you go out to Calumet City? So it was pure chance, which kind yeah. of follows me through the through my line of life. Uh, yeah. Chances kind of. Oh, play, you were a three ninety nine guy first. So I was. Uh, I started off with three ninety nine. Brian Hickey, our old pal, Brian Hickey, in uh, nineteen eighty seven when mm-hmm. I got out of Marist in October. Actually, it was uh, Halloween night. Was my first shift downtown on a, in a building. What building? I was down at the uh, Chicago Club. The Chicago Club? Chicago Club at Van Buren in Michigan. Oh, okay. So yeah. it was a small club. Yeah. Uh, my father needed someone to fill in. He was the chief engineer there. Yeah. And he needed someone to fill in for a shift, and I did a 24-hour shift because yeah. he needed three shifts, actually. And I, I kind of. Oh, yeah. yeah. So my first shift was for 24 hours. On Halloween night. On Halloween night. Yeah. Um, so I stayed with that for nine years. Wow. And a friend of mine, had, while I was doing That's that. That's a good union. It great, was. It was a very union. good union, yeah. and I'm still part of it. Yeah. I, I've maintained my membership even as Smart. a firefighter. Yeah. Um, somewhere along the line, I, I decided I wanted to do volunteer firefighting, so oh I was yeah. a part-time firefighter out in Homer Township. Oh, yeah. How, now, how long did you do that? I did that for five years, from 91 oh, okay. to 96. And you don't get paid for that. Just well, you got paid a small bit, like yeah, n- nothing yeah, really. Yeah. And a friend of mine that I befriended at the time was Jim Hilliard, and he... Had become a Calumet City fireman. Okay. And he asked me if I wanted to take the test. Well, yeah. in the in that interim, I'd gone to Loyola University and I had gotten a degree in accounting. Yeah. So I was trying to, I was kind of interviewing for accounting jobs, not really right. aggressively. Yeah. Because I was making as much money with the engineers. Yeah, yeah sure. So yeah. the engineers had spoiled me. Yes. In so many ways. Yeah. Um, so I took the test for Calumet City. I scored well. And then it was a time to make a choice. Yeah. So in my accounting mind, I made a choice as to when I could retire uh, yeah. in both careers, uh, what my c- retirement looked like. I kind of looked ahead a bit. And I said, ah, sure, I'll take a chance at it anyway. And Good move. Worked out for me. And you've been there 25 years. I've been, all, I've been there 25 years, Jim. Yeah. And now you're a captain. Captain, How captain long? for the last few years. Oh, okay, that's terrific. Um, do they do the same thing in Calumet City as they do here? There's like one day on, two days off. That kind yeah, of yeah, we're one on, two off. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. And so, do you do the accounting as well? Till I don't. I, n- I never really kind of had the personality for accounting anyway. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, now you've got into a lot of interesting. Uh, almost like psychology, uh, about stress management and critical incident stress management, all that stuff. Was that part of your studies at Loyola, or just you came upon that while you're working as it a firefighter? It wasn't. I kind of came upon it by, as I said, happen chance seems to be oh, yeah. a pattern yeah. that I followed. Um, I was working with the Irish firefighters um, okay. in Dublin. Oh, were you? So we had kind of oh, like a morphed sister into... Sister cities kind of a thing? or what? Um, well, in t- t- 2007, we had two firefighters in Bray County, Dublin, that were killed oh. in a flashover. Yeah. And I know a couple of weeks ago you had talked to Marty Doherty about flashovers. Yeah. Yeah. He's here tonight. He's, he- he's here in the crowd. Yeah. Um, so they had reached out to me because through the union, I'd been working with the Dublin firefighters. I befriended them yes. on a social basis. Yeah. And they reached out to me to do some training that was lacking in Ireland. Yeah. So we set up some training here. And we were able to bring over some firefighters from Ireland and, and do a flashover simulator oh, wow. and give them some live fire training that they hadn't had previous. Yeah. yeah. What's so a flashover simulator? That's scary just hearing about it. So a flashover simulator is a it's it's a closed container that we were able to start fires in 
and simulate, obviously, the flashover. We're wow. able to make the flashover happen. Wow. So in a flashover, everything in the room reaches combustion Ignites. at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. everything combusts at the same time. Yeah. And if you're not able to use your hose line to invert the thermal dynamics, um, it became obviously tragic for these firefighters yeah. in Ireland. It was yeah. the first firefighters in Ireland to die since 1936, I believe. No kidding. Um, so we were able to bring the firefighters over, give them some live firefighter training, teach them how to avoid that in the future, yeah. and give them some real skills that they needed on the job that they weren't getting from the government in Ireland. Yeah. We were able to fund that and make that happen here. Who funded it? Uh, donations. No kidding. We were able to raise donations from both sides of the water oh, that's and terrific. make that happen. Yeah. And they came over here actually on St. Patrick's Day in 2007. Oh, did they? Yeah, for the parade? So it was six months after the, the, the tragedy in Bray. Oh, yeah. Um, but while we were doing that, then, we, we discovered some other problems that were in the Irish Fire Service that we also had here in the U.S. Yeah. And we were able to then work collegially with them yeah. to make those go away, in, in essence. Are you talking about those emotional problems or what? Um, eventually, you, you we, eventually we got into that. Yeah, eventually... Yeah kind of fast forward, we got on to the fact that we found that in the U.S., during my term of, as a firefighter, yeah. we had dealt with cancers, yes. heart, lung, physical ailments yeah. that we were having at a higher rate than the normal population. Right. We, had, we had cancer at a far higher rate than the normal population. We had heart disease, lung disease, based on the Chemicals environments we were using. operating yeah, in. Yeah. But we also found and it's towards the end of my career now, that we also have toxic exposures emotionally, mentally, yeah. that we're trying Stress. to now work on. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. We found out through Chicago with 5,000 members yeah. that they weren't using the employee assistance program. EAP, yeah. Um, so we found that alcohol intake, divorce rates, yeah. mo money problems were way above the normal population. Yeah. The problems we were having. And is that in Ireland? Or are they in the same boat? Well, as we started to talk, yeah. Ireland was having the same problem. Ah, okay. So was Norway. So was Sweden. Mm -hmm. So was Australia, New Zealand, Canada, wow. and the U.S. So we were finding that this was a global problem that needed to be handled on a global scale. Yeah. So while in Chicago and in the Illinois we were dealing with peer support, which worked in World War II when our troops were sent back on boat and had time to decompress talk and talk to, to each, each other. other. Where in Vietnam they didn't. No. In Vietnam, beyond all the other social problems, they were sent back on plane. Yeah. And put back in the normal population. Yeah. And we saw that in the fire service. So the World War II veterans who trained our Vietnam veterans that came on the fire department, the Vietnam veterans were, were training me. Yeah. And when I was coming on, pension protection was not going down to Springfield to protect your pension. It was making sure your ex-wife didn't get it. <laughs> and you weren't even married yet. Yeah. But it was presumed you were going to have two wives because oh, everybody wow. on the fire department, had, they were on their second, third marriage. Oh, wow. So we knew, yeah. but we didn't accept it, yeah. that that was a problem. Mm. We celebrated, as we do sometimes with the Irish, yeah. that we drink more. Yes. But we didn't realize failing. that that wasn't a... <laughs> A sign and symptom of depression. Yes. Oh. And we knew that in the Irish community, a lot of times we have yeah. that depression. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, as our fathers would tell us, 80% of the, don't talk about your problems. 80% yeah. of people don't care and 20% are glad you have them. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you just don't talk about them. Yeah. 
But as a result, we internalize them, and that causes a massive depression. We have a huge problem with suicides in Ireland. We yeah, have a huge oh, problem yeah. with suicides in the police and fire service. Yeah. And because of the stigma of not talking about them. Yeah. So I've worked with the Dublin Fire Brigade in creating a peer support group. Good for you. As we have in Illinois. What do you call that group? Well, it's the Illinois Firefighter Peer Support Group, oh, okay. which we've now expanded to police and 911 dispatchers. Terrific. And in Dublin, the same way. We, we encompass the guardie and the dispatch as well. That's great. Um, and it's helping. Oh, it's, it's massively, massively yeah. helping. That it's, yeah. it's, it's actually okay to talk. Yeah. And if talking doesn't work, like me and you can talk all day about how when we wake up, our bodies not wake up in stages, right? Our backs wake up differently in our... You know, we start to wake up slowly. Um, it's fine for us to talk about physical problems, but if I tell you I'm sad, well, all uh, of a sudden we got to go. Yeah. Right. All of a sudden now. Oh, you cry, baby. That yeah. Hey, yeah. you know, hey, my wife's calling. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> but now it's okay. Yeah. If if you need physical therapy, we never questioned that. That was fine. Yeah. Because you played sports all your life, you yeah. need physical therapy. That's cool. Yeah. But we never realized that maybe you need mental health therapy. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And the two never were on the equal ground. And now that it's becoming okay to be on equal ground. You know, we had a guy on the show just last week. Uh, he was a former fire chief of Hinsdale and Western Springs, Pat Kenny. His son committed suicide at 20. And now he goes around the country uh, talking about mental illness has got to be recognized as a disease, not some kind of, you know, uh, grow up. You know, it's it's definitely something that has to be treated because if, if not you're going to have problems um that's his big message is mental illness is a real and dangerous thing and has to be dealt with just as if you had cancer or anything like that absolutely and yeah. i tell our guys all the time if as many guys had rotator cuff injuries yeah as have broken relationships yeah we would be pounding down the doors at springfield to change our career yeah and put in place different Designs of fire engines, why we're not putting our air packs on the wrong way and we're causing yeah. rotator cuff injuries. But we seem to accept the broken relationships. We seem to accept the addictions. We seem to accept all these other precursors. It's not always the PTSD. It's not always the suicide. That's the big one. Yeah. But it's the things that lead up to it. Mm -hmm. Many of our members don't die from the back injuries, but they suffer from them. Yeah. And I think a lot of our members suffer from a lot of these emotional and behavioral injuries. And do you think that's because they haven't, the society you're in doesn't allow you to talk about it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right? I mean, right. we're, we're exposed to toxic exposures, both physically and mentally. Yeah. There's no other species that has to see as many of its own in tragic times. Mm. We do every day. Mm -hmm. The police even more so. Oh, yeah. They have people lie to them. Every time, every time oh. they go into an an encounter with the yeah. public, yeah. it's usually a negative encounter. Sure, yeah. it's usually somebody that's going to tell them a lie. Yeah. So as a result, they carry that through into their personal life. Yeah. You know, as a North Carolina state trooper told me, if I talk to the public the way I talk to my family, I'd be fired. Oh yeah. I yeah. can f I can solve problems all day long on the job, but when I come home, I can't even decide what I want for dinner, <laughs> and the kid wants to show me. Their coloring, and, and, and I couldn't care less because I just saw two kids die. Yeah. And then we go out after shift drinking with our friends, yeah. and then we don't go to our kids' baseball game because we're hungover. 
Yeah. Well, we're the guy that's coming off of a day drinking binge, and we don't yeah. want to go to the game. Yeah. yeah. And then our kid sees us as the father that just didn't show up at the game. Yeah. yeah. And then the next day, you want to hug your kid tighter because you just saw Something. two pediatric arrests. Yeah. And your kid's saying, well, geez, yesterday you missed my game. Today you're hugging me tighter. You're just yeah. bipolar. Yeah. Um, so we go through all of those problems emotionally in our lives and in our families and then when we retire the city says goodbye to us yeah you're on your own but all of those eaps are no longer available oh yeah and they're not even if the retired no. guys can't get any help or no and we see a huge amount of depression in our retirees we yeah. see a huge amount of suicides in our retirees because of the toxic exposures and because while you're working it's like the marathon runner yeah you run 26 miles and once you come to the finish line, you can't run another 200 feet and get out of the way. You, you collapse to the finish line. And when you stop working out, you start sweating more. Yeah. So when our retirees, when they stop running the race, now they've stopped. And they have the broken relationships with their kids that I just talked about. Yeah. And their spouses. And now they have no more work to occupy their minds. So now all these calls start to come back. And the yeah. emotional connections start to get made again. Yeah. But now they have nobody to talk to. Now your wife possibly gets a terminal illness, which we do when we get older. Sure. Right? Yeah. And the kid that now needs to be there is, you're just the guy that wasn't there for my baseball game. Yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah. those connections are, are missed. And our retirees tend to then fall into a depression. chronic depression. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they turn to going to the pub every day. Yeah. Which is fine until it turns into an addiction. Yeah. And yeah. an addiction is an addiction regardless of what it is. Yeah. It's the root cause of the addiction that's the problem. You know, I can I can give up alcohol and turn to gambling. Yeah. It's something to avoid going home. We see a lot of our members that work three or four different jobs. Yeah, just get it stated. Right, because you don't want to go home. Home's exactly. A, if yeah. home is a mess and you choose to work three or four different fire department jobs not to go home, we actually support that guy. Oh, he's a great guy. He's working all the time. He's, he's, he's not drinking. He's not smoking. He's, he's great. Now you you're talking like a uh, you sound like a psycho a psychologist or a doctor. Have you studied any of this stuff? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> oh, geez, no. <laughs> it's just from experience. No, it's just from talking to talking to guys, hundreds and hundreds of firefighters that yeah. you see yeah. the. But you have a unique perspective on it. A commonality <laughs> of yeah. uh, everybody's story. They recruit us for a reason. See, when we get hired, they give us a physical exam. Yeah. And they give us a psychological. Yeah. Because they want us to fit a certain psychological profile. Mm -hmm. We can, we have a propensity to disconnect emotionally. Now I feel guilty taking a swig of this Guinness. Oh, I sure <laughs> I've won myself here. Okay. But we have. Just kidding. Yeah. We have an ability to disconnect emotionally. Yeah. Like trauma doctors. Yes. You can disconnect emotionally. Yeah. Do your job. But at some point, that emotional connection gets made again. Yeah. But they don't train us how to do it. No. So they recruit us because we have that ability. Yeah. But then they they say, okay, you, so you're, you're... You're on your own when you're... You're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're prone to be exposed to toxic environments. And now we're going to expose you to those toxic environments. And then if you make it through your career, we're going to retire you, and good luck dealing with it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that a lot of times... More Are you guys lobbying to keep EAP open after retirement? Uh, some of the unions have. Yeah. I don't know that there's a great uh, appetite on the state level. Because that would be a good thing, right? Well, exactly. But EAPs typically are underutilized Yeah. because of 
Nobody wants the stigma. Well, nobody wants the stigma. Nobody wants to be labeled. Nobody yeah. wants to be disciplined. Yeah. Now, when you're retired again, that would that kind of leg of it would go away. Yeah. But EAPs are run by the employer. Yeah. Right? And on and, and the state level, I don't think there's a great appetite to give us more benefits. At in, in, Currently in this environment, we're demonized, yeah. particularly on the police side. Yeah. Um, they don't want to give more money to the police. For Tell me about it. It's awful, especially what they're doing now. Right? I mean, you're defunding the police. You're retraining the police. That's but, nuts. But nobody looks at the human side of the police. Yeah. What yeah. does that do to the cop? Yeah. Even the cop in a good suburb who's just doing traffic stops. Yeah. Every time you stop a guy for speeding, I wasn't speeding. There, there's always yeah. something. It's yeah. always a negative relationship. Um, so I feel so bad for the cops, even more than Me us, because yeah. at least with the fire paramedics, I mean, we're always yeah. going into a positive relationship. We're now, how much how much longer do you think you're going to work? You're talking well, about a couple years. Oh, okay. So you, which, which is the other problem is, is you have to start preparing. A lot of people let this job define them. Yeah. So if if I identify myself as a firefighter and I rely on the community for always calling me and that's my identity, once I retire, nobody's calling me anymore. Yeah. And, and if I'm not the firefighter anymore, what do I do? What does that next stage look like? If I'm 53 years of age and I'm retired, what do I do? Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of our members struggle with that. And they struggle with being 53, 54, 55 years of age. How and old are you? I'll, I'm 52 in September. Okay. Yeah. You could have a f Dr. Phil career in your future. <laughs> I can always go back to the boiler room. Yeah. There you go, three ninety nine. <laughs> All right, now tell me about uh, the Gaelic uh, football. Uh, see, I didn't know you were from Ireland. That's terrific. So you go, you go home a lot. So I used to go home two or three times a year, and then as oh, yeah. I had kids, sure. How many kids you got? I got two kids. I got twins. Oh, I have twins too. Tw twins. Yeah. They'll be twenty in August. My twins are forty one. What are the are they boys or girls? One boy, one girl. Oh no, kid. What are their names? Michal and Deirdre. Michal. <laughs> That's my name <laughs> and yours. Yeah. I'll say hi, Michal and Deirdre. Hi to you. And what's your wife's name? Emer. Emer. Oh, they, we had a beautiful fiddler on, <laughs> went to Ireland with us two years ago, Emer Arkins. Do you know her at all? No. She's, her dad was the mayor of Clare. You know the song, The Darling Girl from Clare? Yeah. She, used to, oh, she does it beautifully. But I love that name, Emer. Uh, where'd you meet Emer? Here? Here? Here in Chicago, yeah. No kidding. Where's she, is she from Ireland? Yeah, she was on a break. She's from Cork City. Oh, no uh, she was on the teacher's break, so she oh, was a teacher at home. Yeah. And then she uh, came out here for a five-year career break. Oh, wow. Then ended up going back for a year to finish off that, and then came back again. How long have you been married? Uh, 1998. Okay. That's <laughs> terrific. All right, so you you chairman of the Chicago Division of the GAA. Yes. And uh, you organized a trip with the Chicago Fire Department GAA Club that you helped found. Correct. Right? Even though you weren't aren't with the Chicago Fire Department, you were with the Calumet City Fire Department. Are they pretty close, Fire Calumet City and CFD? And uh, we're, we're I know you hang around with the guy. Yeah, Pat yeah, Blanc. we're very close. Okay. Um, yeah, that came out of again the the tangent in my life of happen chance. Yeah. So I was over in Dublin working with DIT for another initiative. DIT, Dublin Institute of Technology. Oh, okay. So I was working with them with a different initiative for a course. In engineering for firefighters. Yeah. And at the pub, we had a few drinks taken. <laughs> <laughs> and it came out that the f the firefighters asked, um, would you send a group of of Chicago to play us at Gaelic football? Yeah. 
No, I thought they meant right. what a group of Chicago patties go yeah. out and play them in football. Yeah. Oh, great. No, no worries. No worries. Yeah, I'll do it. And it's only the next day it dawned on me they were talking about Chicago Fire Department. Yeah. Oh, Christ, we didn't have anybody. Yeah. So I said, oh, now what are we going to do, lads? Because I already committed. Are you, you a Gaelic Park guy? Do you go to Gaelic Park? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I figured, all right, well, we got 5,000 Chicago firemen. Surely we can find 20 of them yeah. that can kick a football. Yeah. Well, There's more no. to it than that. Yeah. No. You had to teach them, right? So, so I put out the email through the union. And the first guy that came in, now, now I, pl- I played hurling all my life. I didn't play much football at all. But I okay. played hurling. I knew, yeah. I knew the caliber of player I needed. Yeah. So the first guy came out to train and. And he came out wheeling this wagon behind him. And uh, the wagon full of beer. And he, had a, <laughs> he had a cigar in his mouth and this button-down shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and these khaki shorts that were full of pockets. And yeah. I think, oh, my God almighty, I hope he's going to softball training, you know. <laughs> and I'm not sure enough, he was coming to me. Yeah. And they got worse as they got from there. <laughs> and we got a few good lads from that played rugby and played soccer and... We had a soccer goalie. So we tried training him. A good fellow from... Uh, How much time did you have before the match? We had six months. Oh, okay. Wow. To teach these guys. Yeah. Now, the problem with Chicago uh, is most of the guys in Chicago are older. Yeah. Because they only test so many years. Yeah. So if you test when you're 21, you get hired when you're 31. We were all in our 30s, 40s. Yeah. We couldn't train them. Yeah. Well, there wasn't a hope. You couldn't train an old dog for new tricks and these. So we went over... Marty Doherty was one of those guys. Oh, right? Marty. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So we went over... But I'll tell you, it was the best thing. It was like Nelson Mandela. <laughs> you cross more bridges with sport. Ah, yes. Yeah. So we went to the North. The Dublin game was grand. We played in St. Vincent's GAA field. Great game. Few injuries. No worries about that. <laughs> Nobody took any pictures. Some of them <laughs> happened on the job. Yeah. But we went up to the North. We played in Caseman Park. And where's that? In Belfast? In Belfast. Yeah. I never realized, even having known Ireland... And knowing that Ireland's about the size of the state of Illinois. Yeah. And let's say the north of Ireland is Chicago, right? We never realized what being a firefighter in the north of Ireland was like. Yeah. Until we a lot of fires there. Well, yeah. And, and the trauma they went through with the bombs. Yeah. Let me just say, Casement Stadium. That's, is that named after Roger Casement? Yes. Well, that seems weird in Belfast that they would name something after Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Yeah. And we never realized that. <coughs> So from the community, you had the Protestants and the Catholics. Yes. They both got hired in the fire department. Now you're working on the same oh, fire yeah. station together. Yeah, yeah. Right? And we never, worry, we never realized, and I never realized, it was more kind of prevalent to me than the, than the American fellas even, that when we went into the fire station, the guys who were playing GAA would have their gear spit on by the Protestant firefighters who no, weren't. No kidding. Because if your father was killed by my father, yeah. like, there yeah. was still that... Yeah. Divide, yeah. even in the fire service. Yeah. So when we played them, the fact that we gave credibility to the minority of firefighter yeah. meant so much to them. Yeah. The fact that the chief fire officer came to our event at Casement Park to present to the Chicago Fire Department and the Northern Ireland Fire Service meant so much to the GAA players yeah. in the Northern Ireland Fire Service. Yeah, that you guys came. That out, yeah. we didn't even realize until that moment, because we didn't grow up in that way. We sure. didn't grow up in that war zone. Yeah, the troubles. To know what we did meant so much to them, even though we were horrible. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we couldn't kick snow off a roof. Yeah. <laughs> but just for us to show up mm-hmm. and for so many guys to just come from Chicago to play a sport that meant so much to them. Yeah. They couldn't care less whether they won, lost, or drew. Good for them. So yeah. it, it really was a great experience, and it was so it was more important for them, I think, at that point than for us. Yeah. Now, what did you guys butt heads with the Protestant guys, or oh, not at all? No, no, no. no okay. Sure, they came yeah. out as well. Yeah. We brought them all around. You know, there's a very famous hurler from Ireland named Mike Houlihan. Did you ever hear of him? <laughs> I've heard of some of his descendants. Oh well, no, he's <laughs> tremendous. He's he's younger than me. He's from Limerick. Uh, I went to see him in uh, Kilmallock. Uh, okay. I think that's the county of Limerick. Um, he has a bar named after him, Mike Houlihan, one of the great hurlers of Irish history. <laughs> Just inquiring if you knew who he was. Um, so do you still go out to Gaelic Park and for the hurling and all that stuff? I do. We haven't had it you know, for a couple of years. The oh, hurling oh particularly yeah. has yeah. died down. Yeah. Uh, the COVID kind of took its toll. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, um, it ruined everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so and, and the hurling... With immigration, has kind of taken the toll. Oh, yeah. It, it's harder to make homegrown hurlers than it is the home, homegrown footballers. Yeah. How many guys showed up from Chicago to volunteer to, you know, for the Gaelic football? For the, we're 25. No kidding. Well, that's so pretty good. Yeah. A bond. Had, what year was that? That was 2009. Oh, okay. Uh, and are these guys still around? I mean, you're not, do you have any idea that maybe we'll play again someday? Oh, they're still around, yeah. They, they yeah. wanted to do a, uh, a reunion tour, a 10-year reunion tour, but that didn't kind of work out this year. So. Oh, that's because of COVID, but you should do that. That would be great. Uh, so the Dublin Fire Department is different than the Northern Ireland Fire Service Department. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It, when you say it's the Northern Ireland Fire Service, is it part of the Republic or is it part of the UK? That's part of the UK. Oh, so Northern okay. Ireland is in and of itself one fire service in the whole of Northern Ireland, which yeah. is the six counties. Yeah. So the oh. other 26 counties have 32 Th- different fire departments. Yeah. So there's 32 fire departments in 26 counties and one fire department in six counties in the north. So wh- what's it like? Do you live in Calumet City? No, we used to have to live in Calumet City up until 2004, and then we got residency lifted. You know, Billy uh, is a veteran. Where South Chicago Heights? Is that where you're from? Chicago Heights. Yeah, so I'm out in uh, Frankfurt now. Oh, okay. So, you, But how far is that to Calumet City? Not far. A half hour. Okay. So it's not uh, too bad. And a lot of fires out in Calumet City? Yeah. yeah. It's a high-maintenance population. Yeah. We, uh, we get roughly How many people in Calumet City? Just under 35,000. Well, that's nothing. Six <laughs> square miles, and we okay. get about 25 calls a day. Oh, really? Yeah, you get about 9,000 calls a year. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> and the police would be about four to five times that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a high-maintenance population. And you stuck jumping. with it 25, six, 25 years, right? Yeah. 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 That's terrific. Huh. So, well, this is great what you're doing for the whole... You're helping your brother firefighters with all this stuff. The, the peer support program, though. That's amazing. Uh, it is. It's a great program. Yeah. I wish we'd had it years ago. Do you have any films done on that or anything like that? Do you guys? No, we didn't no? do any films. No. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I could help you. <laughs> I could help you with that. You know. <laughs> um, because that's part of EAP. I did some EAP films for uh, Amtrak. Oh, okay. You know, and it was like a conductor hits a guy, you know, and he kills a person on the on the train tracks, and that's devastating. They have to get help, and they, nobody acknowledges that kind of stuff, but right. it's true. Um, well, we'll talk. 
EAP is a great uh, program everywhere. I mean, it came out of a need, obviously. You Absolutely. Know? Um, so are you like the go-to guy for uh, EAP stuff at peer-to-peer uh, -peer support? So peer-to-peer -peer support, I'd be, I, I'm a treasurer on the state board. Okay. And then I do the, the state board of what? Of the Illinois Firefighter Peer Support. Oh, for Illinois State, yeah. And okay. then I do the uh, outreach programs, and I also do the immediate needs requests. So if a department has a particularly bad call and they don't want to use a critical incident stress debriefing, which I'm trained in as well. Yeah. What, what does that mean, critical? So critical incident stress debriefing is within 24 to 48 hours, we would respond out to a call. Uh, the guy's on a ledge, and he says, yeah, you're jumping. They say, send Mick uh, Flanagan over Well, not, not, not if he hasn't jumped yet, but <laughs> <laughs> particularly if, you, <laughs> were, if you were on a call and you had a pediatric arrest. Pediatric, like a kid? Yeah, and you had, or you had some sort of traumatic call. Yeah. Um, they would send us out to debrief you on it. Yeah, how, do, how you feeling? Right. Yeah. So that model typically hasn't been very productive in Illinois. Yeah. Basically because they've sent non-firefighters to talk to firefighters. Oh, that's no good. Yeah. And we talk for an hour, and then we leave. Yeah. And you and don't want to yeah. talk to me because I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't yeah, know yeah. what you're going through. I, yeah. I've never been there. Yeah. So on the peer support side of things, we have made a program that's similar but a little different. So I would go out and I would talk to the group of firefighters. And then we may not go out 24 to 48 hours. We may go out a week or two afterwards. Yeah. When you've had time to process, you've had time to digest. Yeah. You've had time to get through the after effects. Now we'll talk about it. Yeah. And then if you still need help after that, we're still around. We're not a one and done like the critical and stress debriefing is. Uh. We're more of a long-term that we're still here. And they can keep coming back and say, I Absolutely, need, as yeah. a group or as individuals. Oh, wow. Yeah. And if it's an individual, we would tend to peer you up with somebody who's similar age. Similar like a sponsor background. kind of a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I would uh, still be very involved in that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Huh. Well, uh, you're doing God's work, Mick Flanagan. That's terrific. Yeah. Uh, how are we doing here? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's great talking to you. We want to thank you for your service, everything you're doing. Uh, any other, any, any stories you want to tell me? Stories? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that would be inappropriate to tell a story about a guy jumping off of a ledge, but, you know, uh, you encounter a lot of this heavily psychological moments with these guys. And Absolutely. I think, yeah. the, I think the public just needs to realize the human element behind the police and fire. Yeah. Though, though we may seem like, and I know you talked about last week with Chief Kenny, the taking off the cape. Yes. Um, That's his book. Yeah. While our image may be that we have capes on and that we're able to disenfranchise and come in and solve you at your darkest hour, we're still humans. Yeah. And even though the cops are in a shootout, they're still humans. And what made that real for me, I guess the, 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 the quick story I'll give you on that yeah. is we were on a call one time Guy on a overpass of, a, of the expressway, the Bishop Ford. Yeah. And he was going to jump off the overpass. Into the traffic. Into the traffic yeah. on the Bishop Ford. Now, he wasn't going to kill himself because it's a 20-foot drop. Yeah. 
But landing on that windshield was going to be a problem. Yeah. Right? So, we, so we had to him. shut down the expressway. Yeah. State police are out there. They call us out there with the tower ladder. We got to put the tower up to the thing so that the state police can go up there and negotiate with them, figure out what's going on with this guy. And, I, and I'm at the turntable at the bottom of the, to- of the ladder, and I look behind me, and there's all these sharpshooters from They're the state police. What were they going to do? Shoot the guy? Well, if, if he's got a gun... Oh, yeah. If he's going to shoot me, yeah, I'd yeah. rather him shoot them first. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you got all these sharpshooters, and I'm thinking, well, I didn't sign up for this. I mean, what the <laughs> heck? I hope they got How good shots. How sharp shot. are they? I hope they got good <laughs> shots, right? Yeah. So one of the cops' job was if I see something, like I see you going for a gun, I got to make the call. Yeah. Right? And I got to make the call, shoot. Shoot him. Take him out. Take him out. Yeah. Because he's going to take one of us out. Yeah. Sure enough, one of the guys... Makes the call, shoot. Yeah. Now now that guys, was the guy armed? Now, these guys got their finger on the trigger. Yeah. So whatever that guy saw, we'll never know. Yeah. Somebody else's job was his supervisor and instantaneously digested everything, processed everything, and said, don't shoot. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm thinking, holy Christ, shoot, shoot don't shoot. What the fuck? Yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> what the hell's going on here, right? <laughs> I'll never know what the first cop saw. Nobody will ever know. Yeah. But he made the call that our lives were in danger. Shoot. And the did second that. call, our lives are in danger. My guy could lose his life. Don't shoot. Yeah. And it, instantaneously I realized the pressure these guys are under. Sure. That they have to sleep with themselves. They don't know. Yeah, but did they, shoot, out, they, did okay. they shoot the guy here now? Okay, so at the end of the day... Hindsight's twenty twenty. The guy didn't have a gun. Yeah. The first, the first uh, guy thought he saw something. He thought he saw something in yeah. his waistband. He thought he saw him going for something. Yeah. And he made that call. Not out of vindictiveness, not no. out of malice. Yeah. But the second guy was able to make... Call it off. Just as brazen a call. Yeah. Don't shoot. Don't yeah. shoot. Yeah. So when you see one of these cop shootings, I mean, I know we're all able to, like in a hockey game, yeah. you're able to see slow motion, oh, freeze yeah. frame. Yeah. But these guys are making this call live. Yeah. Life or death. Yeah. Your life or my life. Yeah. And we don't realize what that impacts them. Because once that call's over, for the rest of their life, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, whatever they have left in their life, yeah. they're going to remember that call. Yeah. And they're going to second guess themselves and they're going to Monday morning quarterback themselves. I thought I saw something. Yeah. And so the human element is often lost on the public when we overly. We become overly critical yeah. of oh, yeah. the police. Yeah. None of them took the job. Well, some of them may, may there's always bad apples in the orchard. Yeah, but they don't take a job. But the yet. most of them, yeah. and I, I'll say 98, 9% of them. Yeah, they're out to do good. Yeah. We have to remember every cop who's involved in a police shooting carries that with them for life. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And the firefighters, the paramedics, every time we go in a call and we pull somebody out of a fire, that stays with us for life. Yeah, yeah. And those are tattoos on our brains. So tattoos on our brains. I like that. That's so good. Yeah. people need to remember that we're human. Yeah. And, and I just kind of caution people when they start getting too judgmental on pensions and on... Oh, yeah. And on... They only work one day out of How three. great we have yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, what the effect really is yeah. that we've taken on our bodies, on our families, on our long-term health, for the greater good of the community.
Do you do a, do a lot of speaking about this uh, to groups and stuff? I yeah, mean, I, think so I would talk to a lot of the firefighters, yeah. a lot of the firefighter academies, and to their kind families, of prepare them and their yeah. families, their yeah. wives. Oh, good for you. So we have yeah. support groups for the retirees, the spouses, and the active members. Yeah. All right, Mick Flanagan, you're you're doing God's work. God bless you. We salute you. We appreciate everything you're doing. Keep doing it. All right. Thank you. Thank you Thank for giving you, us the forum. Oh, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a little break here on Hibernian Radio. We'll be right back after these messages from our friends. Flood Brothers Disposal was started over 90 years ago by their grandfather. With more than 20 family members still involved with day-to-day operations, the floods are service-oriented and believe that the right way is the only way to do something. Flood Brothers are price competitive and still offer the personal touch and an industry-trending corporate. For client-centric service without all of that corporate garbage, call Flood Brothers today for a quote on your solid waste, recycling, and yard waste collection services. Call Bob Flood today at 630-261-0400 or go online at floodbrothersdisposal.com. Welcome back to the Flood Brothers. Hey, everybody. This is Charlotte Houlihan. Don't touch that dial. My grandpa will be right back some more Hibernian Radio. He said something about seeing a man about a horse. Sounds like I'm actually going to get that pony after all. Irish American News has been bringing you the news important to the Irish in Chicagoland for over 40 years. If you like mostly good news and information from all aspects of the Irish community, check out Irish American News. To advertise or subscribe, call our friend Cliff Carlson at 847 872 0700 or email him at cliff at irishamericannews.com Irish American News we've always been green on the death walk of saloons that decorate western avenue only the cork and carry irish pub the soul of beverly sits right on a 50-yard line of chicago's south side irish st patrick's day parade at 106th and western Generations of Southside Irish have quenched their thirst in the cork, snuggling up to memories of family, faith, and fierce loyalty to friends. It's the jewel of this neighborhood where we celebrated weddings, christenings, wakes, and unforgettable victories. Proprietors Bill Guidey and Mike Fitzpatrick now celebrating 20 years in business welcome you home for a cold brew to share a good story or help you throw one hell of a party. With over 20 beers on tap and a full bar for your pleasure, this is the spot you can sink a root and get your Irish on. Cork has plenty of seating, from our private event rooms to our 300-person beer garden. Our interior space brings you back to the homeland of Ireland with our vintage photos and authentic Irish decor and Chicago memories of the good old days. So say hello to a stranger, make a new friend, fall in love, or just enjoy the company of people you forgot you knew. The Cork and Kerry continues the Southside tradition parents and grandparents brought here from the old country. Come on by the Cork and Kerry and get some. The Cork and Carry Irish Pub, 10614 Southwestern Avenue, for private parties, just pals hanging out, or intimate cocktail rendezvous. Come on home to the south side of Chicago at the Cork and Carry. And we are back on Hibernian Radio. Thanks to Mick Flanagan. Good lad from Waterford. Uh, that was very interesting. Now, uh, I want to remind everybody before we get to the obits. We're having a little party June 9th. Come on by. We're going to bring out the Chicago flag. We're going to claim the Chicago flag for the Irish diaspora because it is indeed uh, our thing. It's an Irish thing. Don't ever forget it. It's one of the themes of our film, In Search of Weeping Jim. It was a man from Ireland. 
James Ambrose Kearns, who came here when he was 13 years old, and he's the founder, the father of the Chicago flag. And that's what the film's all about, and, and we're going to raffle off some Patty's Irish whiskey, some flag door prizes. We're going to have a blast, so we want you to join us. we got Liam Durkin. He's going to sing The Legend of Weeping Jim. Jimmy Clunan's going to be there that night. His brother uh, Coleman will be there. We're going to have a blast, so come on by Wednesday, June 9th at 7 o'clock. We might even be outside here. All right, now, Billy, you know, whenever I'm walking down Western Avenue, I look in the window, Ken's, Wrong's, Hearts, Cork and Carry, you know, those great Irish saloons, and I see the ghost of my old pal Jimmy Goff through the mist, and he says to me, Hey, Ole, who died? Mary Teresa Kelly, 91, knee Murahi, passed away at home peacefully, surrounded by her family on Tuesday, native of Fina, County Limerick, Ireland, beloved wife of the late William J. Kelly, and cherished mother of Linda, the late Paul Kelly. Mary was a nurse at Christ Hospital in Oak Lawn for 35 years, retiring in 1995 in lieu of flowers, donations to the Brendan Murahi Memorial Scholarship Fund, care of Brother Rice High School. God rest her lovely soul, Mary Teresa Kelly, 91. Kevin Gerard Barron, age 54, beloved husband of Mora, extraordinary father to Mary Kate, Sean, Ronan and Emmett, fun-loving and admired uncle to 12 nieces and nephews. He was a fond cousin and friend to many. His love and humor stretched from Chicago to Ireland. There's a proud Evans scholar at Marquette University. That means he was a caddy. God rest his soul, Kevin Barron. Dennis A. Carroll, age 83, of Mount Prospect, loving husband of Marion, Neve Lasney. For 55 years, he was the dear father of Michael, Matthew, and Stephen. Dear brother-in-law of Archbishop John Vlasny. Dennis was born and raised on the south side of Chicago by his parents who were Irish immigrants. He was a graduate of both St. Rita High School and Western Michigan University, a dedicated and loyal employee of Coca-Cola for over 40 years. Finished his career in the county department of Maryville Academy. He's a lifelong usher at St. Emily's Parish and... Uh, Dennis was known for his sociable personality and his unfailing readiness to offer advice and to help anyone in need. God rest his soul, Dennis A. Carroll. John J. O'Connor, beloved husband of Dorothy O'Connor, loving father of Jack, Mark, Brian, Carolyn, and Julianne. Member of 1st Marine Division, he served in the Korean War from 1950 to 52. He's a proud DePaul University alumnus, lifelong Chicago White Sox and Bears fan. And his wake and funeral arrangements were handled by she, where all the right people go. And finally, Jack Brosnan, age 87, a United States Army veteran, native of Knockbrack, Knocknagashal, County Kerry, Ireland. I always love saying that, Knocknagashal. Beloved husband of the late Joanna Maria Brosnan. Loving father of John, Hannah, Thomas, Mary, Gerard, Patrick, and Maria Brosnan. Loving father of Patrick, the late Florence, Michael, Christy, Brosnan, and Hannah. And a proud member of Carpenters Union Local 13 and Bricklayers Union Local 21. God rest his lovely soul, Jack Brosnan. And his wake and funeral services were handled by Sheehy's, where all the right people go. And I want to give a big shout out to Bob Sheehy for all his support over the last 12, 13 years of not only this show, but the Skinny and Hooley show. He's the greatest. All right, we're going to take another break on Hibernian Radio and we'll be back with one of our old pals. Let's to these messages from our friends.
with a history going all the way back to 1896. The International Union of Operating Engineers has continued to protect workers and their families with loyalty and brotherhood. Local 150 has continued to thrive through economic booms and busts with careful training and aggressive organizing. Under the leadership of President and Business Manager Jim Sweeney, Local 150 has implemented programs and action plans to create work, protect benefits, and keep members working. And they've been helping the Irish-American community of Chicagoland for just as long. The Hibernian Radio Show is proud to be associated with Jim Sweeney and Local 150, and we salute the continuing efforts of the International Union of Operating Engineers and their support of Irish and Irish-American families now and in the future. Thanks to Local 150. When your family has suffered a loss, there's one family I know who will be there for you. Robert J. Sheehy and Sons Funeral Homes are third generation, family owned and operated. The Sheehy family has dedicated their lives serving families throughout Chicago and the southwest suburbs. The Robert J. Sheehy and Sons Funeral Home was incorporated in 1913 as a storefront at 76th and Halston in Chicago. At the time, this was one of the few standalone funeral homes of its kind and was to be the first of many to come bearing the Sheehy name. The founder, Roger Sheehy Sr., was soon joined in business by his three sons, Roger Jr., Jack, and Bob. This trademark of service is evident 98 years later, as Bob and Jim Sheehy, third generation, own and operate two locations in Orland Park and Burbank. At Sheehy's, the name on their sign outside the funeral home means something. For them, it's very important that everyone be treated as if they were family, friend, or neighbor, as they very well could be. When my brother Willie died a few years ago, the Sheehys took very good care of our family. And you know, you never forget something like that. Their entire staff cares about each and every family they serve. Every detail is handled in a professional and personal manner. On a daily basis, the directors Bill Kiley, Mike LaRock, and John Sullivan, and the rest of the staff take great pride in their work, serving families as if they were their own. Bob Sheehy will tell you, we pride ourselves on offering the highest level of professionalism with every family we serve. Robert J. Sheehy and Sons Funeral Homes, here for you since 1913. Irish American News has been bringing you the news important to the Irish in Chicagoland for over 40 years. If you like mostly good news and information from all aspects of the Irish community, check out Irish American News. To advertise or subscribe, call our friend Cliff Carlson at 847-872-0700 or email him at cliff at irishamericannews.com. Irish American News, we've always been green. Hey folks, Charlotte Houlihan here. Did you know that Hibernian Radio is now streaming worldwide on Global Irish Radio? Every Saturday night at 7 p.m. or 1 a.m. in Ireland. Yes, the Irish are always way ahead of us. Check it out at globalirishradio.com or capital G-I-R dot I-E. Southsiders have always known where to get the best pizza on earth. Fox's Pizza. For over a half century, the Fox family has been creating that delicious thin crust za that your mouth will tell you, this can only be Fox's. It's a Chicago Beverly Institution at 99th and Western, as well as in Orland Park, where they combine delicious food with an Irish pub ambiance. You got the best of both worlds. Still owned by Tom and Frank Fox, 
whose mom and dad, Frank and Teresa, bought the western location from Al Capone's sister back in 1964. They opened the doors in Orland at 73 at 143rd and Ravinia Avenue. You'll recognize the stone turrets of their Irish castle, whose great times have been celebrated for generations of Chicagoland Irish. Fox's is perfect for the whole family, pick up or delivery, or you can dine in, relax and have a cocktail with your dinner, whether it's steak, ribs, chicken, or especially pizza, it's all good. Having a party? Fox's also does catering. Call Fox's in Beverly at 773-239-3212 or in Orland Park at 708-349-2111. They're proud sponsors of Hibernian Radio and all Irish first responders. Mention this show for a free toothpick. Gotta love that Fox's Pizza. Flood Brothers Disposal was started over 90 years ago by their grandfather. With more than 20 family members still involved with day-to-day operations, the floods are service-oriented and believe that the right way is the only way to do something. Flood Brothers are price competitive and still offer the personal touch in an industry-trending corporate. For client-centric service without all of that corporate garbage, Call Flood Brothers today for a quote on your solid waste, recycling, and yard waste collection services. Call Bob Flood today at 630-261-0400 or go online at floodbrothersdisposal.com. Welcome back to the Flood Brothers. And we're back on Hibernian Radio. Very proud to be back and to have an old friend here, Pat Kwan, is with us. He's the PR guy. Well, well, I'm not old. Okay. I'm a friend, not old. A friend. A friend for many years, uh, also known as Vern on the <laughs> south side. Um, but Pat represents the Chicago Firefighters Union Local 2. That's right. And they have just graciously agreed to join us as sponsors of the show, and we're thrilled about that. Uh, so great to have you as a sponsor and a friend, and, and, uh, and we want to continue the work promoting uh, the Irish first responders and firefighters and paramedics and everybody in your union. Absolutely, Pahuli. We appreciate everything you do for us and uh, being able to come here and tell our stories. That's the thing, yeah. And and really show the public who we are uh, when we go to work and stuff like that. There's only one problem, though. You had Mick Flanagan on for so long (laughs) that me and Marty Doherty have cashed a check at the bar, (laughs) and we've bought Uh, pints for the whole (laughs) bar. Uh, So uh, I don't know if there's any sponsorship money left. Uh, Get the hook. (laughs) Mike Buck has tried to come on here and bring it to the boat and double it, but uh, we fought fought Uh, him off. Terrific. (laughs) But if anybody wants more information, now we're going to write you a spot, and we'll have all of that in there. Um, but you have a website, Chicago Firefighters Union Local 2, is that it? Yeah, we're on Facebook, Instagram, oh, yeah. and Twitter. We also have a website, Chicago uh, Firefighters Union, or uh, www.ieff-local2.org. It okay. tells the history of Local 2, uh, where we're going. But uh, most of our stuff is done on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll be hearing a lot more about them now, folks. And I want to also thank you for bringing all those guys from the Brotherhood of the Barrel on the show. Absolutely. In the past, uh, they're just always great guests, and uh, and there'll, there'll be more of them, I'm sure. Uh, what a great organization. Um, so, Pat, thank you. Thank you for being a sponsor. Oh, okay, we have plenty of time. Well, oh, listen, look, he's giving me the check okay, right now. Give me the check right now. Yeah. It's legal. I'm not going to do anything as obscene <coughs> as checking it. That thing's going to bounce higher than <laughs> the Super Bowl. <laughs> now, when did you, you got elected last 
election. I was elected in May, yes. A, a year ago. Yeah, a year ago. So me and me and Marty Doherty were both elected together on the board, and uh, uh, obviously uh, Marty was actually bellied up in there telling Gaelic football stories when Mick was out here. He missed <laughs> half the show. <laughs> You know? Well, he, he can listen to the podcast. Yeah. He can hear it all. <laughs> Hibernian Radio. And also, it's in a... You know what? I should tell um, Mick that the show is on on Global Irish Radio Global well. Irish Radio. Yeah, yeah, you got me yeah. hooked on that now, yeah. too. Yeah. And you're also going to be... Your spots are going to also be on uh, the Hooli's Hooli show. The Hooli's Hooli. Is, is on all right. After this, uh, my son, uh, Patty and Billy, the twin Hoolihan brothers, have a show on that's pretty funny as well. Um, so, thank you so much. Any big news in the firefighter? You were just in Springfield for something. We what were just it? in Springfield. We got uh, three bills on the consent agenda right now that uh, are going to be signed into law. And uh, very important work we're doing down there. And it's uh, we, we've come to our busy season here. And uh, Busy season in terms of what, as fires? As far as you know, fires and, and uh, EMS. And we had an EMS 10 the other day, did 43 runs in a 24-hour shift. And oh, we're, we're down there fighting that we need more ambulances. we got to get out there. And uh, But, you know... And I know it's tough times for everyone, yeah. but, uh, you know, we're out there trying to, uh, uh, you know, serve the public the best we can and what, what we got. And you know, I know he, our old pal uh, Pat Fitzmorris retired. Uh, yeah, so I want to say they did, uh, Amos 10 did uh, a run for every year that Pat had on a job the other day. So wow. 43 something, 43 years on a job, they did a run for every, no every year he had on a job. So, yeah. What a character yeah. he is. Yeah. Did he ever tell you about going to New York, the Irish Echo Awards? Oh, he did. He absolutely okay. nominated me for the Irish Echo Awards. So. Oh, good. I was able. And I just want to say I want to appreciate you. Uh, I was at Kevin Barron's wake tonight. Uh, a oh, he of, just did his A open. friend of the Quans and the Nolans, yeah, oh, over no there, kidding. and uh, a very God close friend of ours. And uh, God bless him. God bless the Barron family, uh, a great family out there, and, and uh, he will uh, truly be missed. God rest his soul. Okay. Should we go out with a joke? <laughs> Thank God my wife has multiple personalities. I'm quarantined with someone different every day. <laughs> Pat, thank you so much. God bless you, pal. All right, we'll see you next week. We got John Kentanzara on the show next week, so stick around. Thanks, everybody. God bless you all, and see you later. Bye. Yeah.